Hey everybody out in podcast land, it's David coming at you with a brand new podcast. Well, it is Thursday, it is November 16th, and what a beautiful day it is today. I'm going to have another podcast for you. Uh, this is the opening and I just want to like kind of break the ice. We're going to talk about time and chance. We're going to kind of recap on what we talked about yesterday a little bit and the Bible verse that goes along with that in Ecclesiastes. We're also going to talk about wives and mothers and um, we'll throw in gossip and wives tales and just people that are unhappy with life and the reasons why some some of the reasons why wives were gossipers and the wives tales that they created because they were unhappy they had unhappy things going on in their life their heart was not content inside them and one of the reasons is because they had no children just like a lot of times in the bible god's special people were barren and he would have to open up their womb for them But there's many times in the Bible that they weren't allowed to have children. And the modern day people we are in, we are around today, they they promote abortions and to killing the child that's inside the womb. And what that signifies is destroying your seed, somebody's seed. And when they destroy their seed, there's an unhappiness that happens. Or when you believe in that, there's an unhappiness that automatically comes along with it. You might not have invited it in your life, but by doing that and standing with those things, you've invited this into your life where now there's an unhappiness. When you look at other people, you look at other women and they have children, you look at their seed as their promise and it's not your promise and you hate their promise. And subconsciously, this is how they think inside. A lot of people, uh, they've termed them as modern-day Karens. They call them Karens now. But the Bible says wives' tales, um, women that are unhappy with their life, they go around gossiping, they spread gossip and lies. That's kind of like what we're going to talk about today in this podcast. It's not going to be a lot of the subject, but that's part of it in there. We're going to talk about a lot of other stuff in here. It's going to be a great podcast. Sit back and invite somebody, get a cup of coffee, and get ready to enjoy your brain growing a little bit bigger today, and God bless. Hey, I want to cut into this this podcast just for a quick commercial break for you this commercial is one of my own to think to get you to think about if you're a single man to go out there and to work on yourself to where you can find yourself a wife if you're a single woman to work on yourself to go out there and find yourself a husband so you can get married and complete that family that God wanted in your life and then have children if you don't have children you're missing out on one of the greatest things you could ever do for the kingdom of God to nourish a child, to raise up a child in his his sad times and in his good times when he's sick and when he's healthy. And you can be a very positive person. But if you're that person that doesn't have a child, pray for those that do have children. Don't be a troublemaker. Be somebody that's a blessing. And God will cherish that and love you in a mighty way. God bless. Hey everybody on Podcast Land, it's David coming at you with a brand new podcast. Well, it's a brand new day. It's Thursday and it is sunny. Sunny and beautiful outside today. My wife and kids allowed me to have a little bit of time to rest this morning and I'm pretty excited about that. But I'd like to talk to you about a couple things that are on my mind. I did a podcast yesterday and I threw some things in there that were random in the moment about luck. But it's not something I just thought about at that moment. It's something that I've thought about many times. I've heard it preached many times over the years, but I've also read the Bible verses. Ecclesiastes uh, talks about it. Uh, Solomon, when he wrote Ecclesiastes, he talked about time and chance. And when he was talking about time and chance, 
he said the battle's not to the swift, to the strong. You know, he's, he's saying it's not to the guy that has all the credentials. But that time and chance happens. And that's a weird statement. That doesn't make sense. And I know all of us modern day Christians were like, oh no, God has it all in control. There's nothing outside of God's hand. But he did create this. This is part of his creation. And if you don't recognize it, then you aren't very smart. Because the wisest man who ever walked on this earth, which was Solomon, said that time and chance, it's time and chance. It's not to the swift, it's not to the strong, it's not to the educated, it's time and chance. Now, he's not saying that the, uh, the smart guy, the strong guy, the person that has a better footing from his family, you know, inheritance, doesn't get a better chance than some people. What he's saying is you better not neglect the fact that as much as you plan and as much as you do, chance could come upon you that bad luck comes or chance could come upon you and good luck comes. And don't make the mistake of saying because you've done this, this, and this formula and when chance of the good luck comes upon you, you say, oh, I did it because of this. My strength has done this. My education has done this. And then you go to try to repeat that formula again and it doesn't happen. Why? Because the way the dice were rolled, so to speak, at that moment, it fell perfectly into your lap and chance happened where luck was on your side. The same way I talked about it yesterday, when you roll dice every so often, if you keep rolling it long enough, you're going to get all of one kind. You're going to get all of ones, all of twos, all of threes, and you know the story. But if you only roll it once or twice, you would say, oh, look at that. I can never get all ones or I can never get all twos. But the probability, if you continue to roll that, it will happen. And that's the same thing with life. And I tell people this, there are so many people on this earth. There's billions of people on this earth right now. You can't even grasp what that means. It's a, it's a visual in your head. It's a number in your head, but you really, and I can't visualize what that really means. That means at the very moment you're doing something, the chances are that multitudes of other people are doing the same thing is very high. The same exact stuff. When you think that you're the only one going through something, it says no sin has overtaken you such as common to man. That means this world has a commonality to it. There's a common thread to it. And that's why there's a likeness um, people follow in herd mentality and all that they like to swarm in groups they like to find groups that they they fit in or that they they can um, relate to why because when they were raised certain things that they were raised with was common to somebody else or certain things they were taught were common to somebody else or certain characteristics that they have in their body is common to other people that's the common thread. Now, out of billions of people on the earth, the chances of that happening are like you rolling the dice a hundred times and, and getting all ones multiple times. That's time and chance. And Solomon knew this. He knew it in a deeper scale than I'm telling you. And he knew it way back before there was internet, before there was people that talked in universities. He did this by watching animals. The Bible talks about how the Lord gave Solomon the language of the animals and there's other books that you can read that Solomon had the art of understanding different animals insects he could understand them he knew their language he watched them and he knew what they were doing that's pretty powerful that's a really powerful knowledge right there now time and chance happens now let's couple that together with some other stories some other things that we talk about um, superstition People are very superstitious. Um, that's the same thing with time and chance. You know, they might walk into a house and a black shadow was cast off the window because of the way the sun moved. You caught it off your eye in a certain way. And at a certain time, it happens every time you walk in a house. And all of a sudden, you build a superstition upon that. You say, oh, look, that was a spirit. Oh, look, this is happening. And people start to really believe in these things. And even in the church, people believe in this. Now... In order to believe in that, you have to believe that they have power. And they do have a certain amount of power, but they don't have power over us. They have no power over us. If they're in your life, 
the only reason why they're in your life is because you're doing something to invite them in. They have no power over a Jesus name, baptized, Holy Ghost filled person. I will go so far to say even somebody that is a believer, somebody that is even believing in Jesus that calls upon the name of the Lord, when it is time for that spirit to attack them, if they call upon the name of the Lord, the Lord can save them at any time. And who are you to say that he can't? So you have to be very careful. Now, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Now, I know the most powerful time in my life was not speaking in tongues against the spirit. The most powerful time in my life ever to break a spirit was the name of Jesus. That's for me. That's what's happened to me. And I'm just telling you my experience. You might have a totally different experience, but I'm telling you what, and I'm not the only one that has this. I've heard from multiple people over many, many years, countless different testimonies of many people having the same experience that I've had with a spirit visiting them in the middle of the night while they're sleeping, choking them. And the only thing that would stop it was the name of Jesus. And I'm talking about all walks of life across the board. I've heard it many times throughout my life. I've heard this. But until it happened to me, when I had the power to overcome that with the name of Jesus, this spirit had its way. It could do whatever it wants. I was at its mercy. There was nothing I could do. But when I said the name of Jesus, and I said it with the, with conviction and the belief in his power, it happened. It was the end of it. It's never came back. It's never attacked. It's never had power. And that's how fast and how powerful the name of Jesus is. Now, I'm going somewhere with all this stuff I'm talking about. Because I know there's people out there. There's people that are in pretty high positions that I know in my life that are in medical fields and and courts and high places and over the time I've been a minister I've been able to minister throughout different periods of of their life and in my life and the Lord has used me in certain ways at specific times to help people out of certain situations and I sat back and I watched as people go through their stuff and how they gravitate towards other things eventually. Um, I'll just use a, a scenario because I don't want to—I don't want to call anybody out or make anybody feel bad. But let's say that you're—you're you're a police officer, and you have—you have a badge, you have the police car, you have the time clock you got to punch in, and you show up to work each day. And there's a standard. You have a standard to live by. Now, let's say that something's going on in your personal life. And while you're on the job, you find out, man, I'm losing my family. My family's going to leave me. I don't know what to do. And you're driving along and there's a person like me walking on the sidewalk. And that police officer walks up to interact with that person. And all of a sudden he realizes, whoa, I'm here to investigate this person but there must be a God up there because this guy is speaking to me and he's talking to me and ministering to me and that person starts to minister to this police officer and starts telling him I don't know what you're going on in your personal life but God's going to help you I know when you go home your life is miserable but God hears you and you start to see your tears come down from this police officer's eye and he covers it up and he thanks you and he leaves and he goes back to his professional duty he goes home and he realizes, wow, that was real. That really happened. My life has changed. My family's normal now. And he goes back to work after months and months go on and he just dismisses that. He forgets about it. I know I'm rambling on, but I'm doing a long version to, to make sure nobody knows that I'm talking about them or that, you know, I'm not offending anybody. I'm just telling you a story. This is, this is with no strings attached. That's why I'm telling you this full story. And I'm telling you there's no strings attached. So don't believe that there's string, strings attached to this. Because if you believe that, then you're listening to the wrong voice. Because I'm the voice talking to you, telling you the story. If you're listening to another voice, my sheep hear my voice, the Bible says. Any other, they will not hear it. 
If you're listening to another voice that's telling you any other thing that I'm telling you now, that's a different voice and he has a different agenda. So if we're on the same page, let's continue on. So then this police officer decides, you know what? That was just chance. That was just chance that that happened. Now, we talked in the beginning of this, time and chance happens to everybody. But then there's also the the appointed times that God puts in our lives that are not time and chance. A certain aspect of them could be that police officer could have done anything in his day to change anything. He had free will and it would have changed the, the spot that he would have met this person and that very exact spot where he would have been ministered to. It would have changed everything. But God is so purposeful, just like he talked about in Jeremiah, when I formed you in the belly, I, I knew you before I formed you, I had plans for you, you know, I'm gonna bring you to a good place. He has plans like that. And in order for him to execute these plans, he has to go through a series of things throughout a day perfectly to get you to that spot where he's gonna meet you. That's not time and chance. The time and chance that I'm talking about earlier is like rolling the dice. The police officer in his day was driving along. He gets a flat tire and just so happens that somebody's walking by and gives him a million bucks. Now, if every police officer found out about that, the next day, multitudes of them would try to break down on the side of the road and see who would walk by and see if anybody would give a million bucks. And the chances of that happening are gonna be very slim. So you can't replicate that. That's something that was time and chance. Just like people that go and they gamble. That's time and chance to a certain extent because a lot of it's rigged. A lot of it is not time and chance because you think you're buying a lotto ticket that when you scratch it off, the, it's gonna be a random number but the people that put that out know exactly how many's out there who's going to win how many's going to win the areas it's going to be in they've got that figured out to a science just like the the power balls we used to watch when we were kids on tv we'd see our grandpas and all them wanting to buy those tickets for a dollar oh it's only a dollar and then they would sit and watch those things spin around and they would spit the numbers out well we'd find out later on that those were rigged too that people that were behind that were cheating and doing things behind the scenes so they put the appearance of time and chance on to get you to buy into it, but that's not really time and chance. But Solomon, and I know it sounds like we're rambling all over the place here, but I hope you're staying with me so far. But Solomon understood what real time and chance was and that it does happen in this earth. And it's a real factor. It's not something that you can replicate. It's not something that you can you can bank on. It's not something that you can grow up saying, oh, I can't wait till I hit a certain age because I just have a feeling that that's gonna be my lucky year and luck just pours out to you. But it doesn't happen that way. As a matter of fact, it might happen to where you have the worst luck for your whole life. And at the very end, luck comes your way. And luck comes, and I know that my Jesus name friends out there and brothers and sisters, they don't like this kind of talk, but this is Bible. This is Bible verses and the superstitious people out there that can chase spirits and chase down demons and do all that stuff on a daily basis, talk about it all the time, but they can't talk about Bible verses like this because this is stuff that's in the Bible. Reason why people don't like this is because it, it, it takes control away from them. It takes control away where now they're in a world that's random. This is a very random place. That's why when everything should be going good in your life, sickness shows up, time and chance. It just so happened that it happened this way. It just so happened that when Joseph was doing what he was supposed to, he goes out to his brothers to check on him and they capture him and throw him in a pit. They planned that. But it just so happened that here comes uh, some uh, foreigners that buy and sell slaves at the right time and buy him. And after they buy him, they sell him into Egypt. It just so happens that because of his education, 
that Potiphar wanted him in his house. It just so happens that Potiphar's wife had a desire for him. And when she didn't get what she wanted, she rebels against him, throws him in prison. It just so happens that while he's in prison, that two other criminals, one was a real criminal, one was being accused of being a criminal. Now, if you don't think time and chance happens, ask the, the, the two that are in prison with Joseph. One was innocent and one was guilty. Now, the guilty one was saying, man, it's my lucky day because I might get out of this because the, the person that didn't do it might take the blame for me. And the guy that was innocent is saying, this ain't fair. I don't deserve this. The guy that did it's right there and I know it, but nobody believes me. That's how this world is, guys. Do you see the randomness and what happens? Now, we haven't talked about the order of God yet and the law of God. One thing I really like is Psalms. David, Psalms 119. David is not the only one, but he's one of the main guys in the Bible that really likes to focus on God's word. He loves God's word. He he wants God to order his steps in his word. He talks about the word being his answer and his precepts and his laws and his commandments protecting him and always put him in my heart, Lord, and always let him be there and always teach me him and always let him guard me. And he talks like that in a way where David, he had to have been through some th- stuff in his life. You don't get that from reading books. You don't get that from hearing from other people's stories. That comes from being somebody that had to be on the run, somebody that had to suffer, somebody that had to suffer many relationship problems, many financial problems, many just family problems. He had, he had problems across his whole walk of life. And so you have David now explaining that my only answer is your word, God. I'm not going to rely on nothing else. Even though time and chance comes in my life, I'll take the good with the good and I'll take the bad with the bad. But I'm going to stick with your word, God, because out of everything, your word will, re- will produce more results if I stick with your word over a longer period of time than if I roll the dice and wait for those ones to show up. Many people do that kind of stuff. Many people really believe in that superstitious type stuff. Now, I'm not focusing on anybody in particular when I'm talking about this. I'm just giving you a lesson right now. I do have one person in mind right now that I see a lot of people like this where they don't like to give God credit for for being God. Let's say it that way. Let's say it this way, guys. There's people out there that would rather look and try to find, um, how can I say this? Uh, Like speak it into existence type stuff. They like to say, don't say those words. If you say those words, you're gonna bring it into existence. Like, Like your word has that kind of power. Like you have that kind of creative authority. You don't. Now, I teach my kids your words do have power but I don't go to the extent that I'm talking about here because if you do, then you're going to have to forgive all the worldly people because all worldly people that are believing in this spiritual thing out there that if they want it to come, they got to speak it. If they want money to come, they got to, they got to talk about money all day long. They got to believe in money. They got to speak it. They got to talk about it. They got to, they got to, they got to have good vibes. They got to have good feelings and they attach that to these words like it's going to bring this wealth to them. Now, listen, I am a hundred percent believer in the creative power of the word. I just taught my oldest stepdaughter the other day. One of my favorite lessons to ever teach in the Bible is about God's word and how he created, how he created everything by the word. And we can go even further to where God created everything by the word except for one creation. There's one creation that I cannot find that he spoke it into existence. I'll give you a second to think about it. If you've known me for any time, I've already preached on this many times, but he spoke everything, let there be light, let there be a firmament. He speaks it into existence. He's speaking it into existence. And then he does something, something that's out of the, normal in Genesis 
he reaches down into the ground with his hands and he forms man out of the dust with his hands. And he wasn't a living soul yet. So that means he didn't create him by the word. And he didn't create him by the word. Because if he created him by the word, then that would have been Jesus. So he did something else. He breathed the breath of life into him and man became a living soul. So he put breath, he breathed the breath of life in him. Okay. Now, one thing I've noticed, you know, I'm just going to sidestep off this for a second. If you've been around animals for any time and you've, you've seen them lose their life when they finally give up their life, there's a lot of times animals, they do some really remarkable things. I've seen animals where it seemed like they died really fast, like they just gave up their life really quick. And then there's other times it seems like they're suffering, but they're not suffering and they're just holding on. And it's like that life is inside of them and you want to do everything you can to preserve it, but there's nothing you can do and it finally just gives itself out. There's something different about an animal's life and a human's life. I don't know how to describe it. The only way I can describe it is by what we're talking about in the Word. Because now I know the Word and I know the truth of the Bible, so I can see it that way. And being around animals over time, raising them and seeing them die, and then being around humans that have passed away and went to be with the Lord, being a minister praying with them on their bedside, I've been able to pray with many people on their last breath. I've seen many people. And one of the greatest types of people I've ever seen that gave their last breath are Christians. Because there's sometimes that I went to minister to people that were dying and they would end up ministering to me. There's one person in particular. She had the Holy Ghost. And she was an older lady. Very meek, quiet, very proper, very, very holy. And... I know many people would look at her and say, oh, her theology is not the same as mine. But I'm going to tell you what, this woman, when I came into her presence to pray for her, because I was asked to go pray for her, and when I sat down with her, the presence that she had with her was the Holy Spirit. And that spirit started to minister to me. She ended up ministering to me as I'm there to minister to her. And we had one of the greatest times as she was getting ready to give up the Holy Ghost, as she was getting ready to go to be with the Lord. And... It was just, it was remarkable. To this day, it's made an impression in my life. I've even told her granddaughters over years that that moment I had with her and how special she was. And I see that same thing in you. I see that same spirit in you. I see that same presence in you. You have that same gifting. And that's almost like what Timothy was talked about in the Bible when Paul was talking to him. And, well, also, you know, this is why... Women like this are special. Elderly women like this are very special. And there's not very many of them in the world nowadays. They're very quiet. They don't cause trouble. They're not gossipers. They're not backbiters. They're not fault finders. They're not troublemakers. And the world that we live in nowadays, I think the term they use is they call them Karens. There's so many Karens out there. All they do is cause trouble, they look for faults, they find the littlest things and they make it a, they take an anthill and make it into a mountain. They go around sowing discord. And I'm talking about with quote, quotations, Christians that are supposed to be sowers of light, sowers of goodness, meek, somebody that's supposed to be quiet in public. Now, I'm not saying to shut your mouth, but I'm saying the Bible is very specific on how it talks about how a lady should conduct herself, the holiness. There's a meekness. There's a, there's a presence. And you can see the difference. And we all seen these kind of people throughout our life. But then there's always that one, well, that, not in this day, but there's a lot of them, that are troublemakers. All they do is cause trouble. And if you sit back and you think about it, just for example, this abortion thing that's going on. The, the majority of the people that are causing the abortion things are middle-aged women or young women. Why? Because they want to live a certain lifestyle. They don't want to be beholden to what they're producing. They don't want to be accountable. They want to live a life of freedom. They want to have no one holding them back, no laws. They don't trust God. And anybody that's for that is against the word of God. 
There's no way you can talk about aborting and killing a baby and saying that you're on the side of good. That's giving your baby to Moloch. It's the same thing. Because Moloch, in order for you to come before Moloch, you would give your baby and you would pray to Moloch so that he would bless your crops and bless your lifestyle and bless your life for another year. And you would give your babies. And what they would do is they would fill the bellies with the babies. They would stick them inside this bull, this big bronze or whatever kind of bull they made. And it had these horns that this that looped throughout the whole thing. So when the when the babies and the kids were screaming inside, the snout of this animal would make the noise out of the snout as they were cooking them under the belly. They would they would fill the uh, inside of this metal container this, that looked like a bull with living babies and and kids. Then they would light the the wood underneath this bronze bull. And as they would scream because of the heat and because of the torture, it would make these sounds. And they they were they loved that. That was their sacrifice. That's who they worship, Moloch. And the Jews were doing this. And God was so angry about that. That is translated into the modern day Planned Parenthood stuff. It's the same thing. There you don't even know what's going on behind the scenes. You think you know what's going on, but you don't have a clue. And it sounds like we're being political, but I'm being very political because it's a life on the line. It's a baby. It's a real living soul. And it is our job, especially as a minister, to fight for living souls. I am to fight for all living souls. That is my job. My, My job is to fight for those that are called by God, that may not even have his name put upon them yet, that have not found salvation yet, but God has marked them out. And my job is to go and find them and gather them for the Lord at all cost the cost of my own life being put in peril your words do not hurt me your words do not mess my feelings up i will take all my feelings that you hurt and i will give it to god and god will always repay me because i don't work for you i work for jesus i don't work for an organization i work for the lord when i speak i speak for what the lord has told me to say Now, I make lots of mistakes because I'm human. And like I said earlier, there's time and chance. There's a lot of times you think that you know what's going on and what God wants and you make a mistake. The greatness is that we all make these mistakes. And if you're truly on the side of righteousness, once that mistake is revealed to you and the goodness of God leads you to repentance, if it was not for God showing you that you make mistakes, that you don't have all the answers, that you're infallible, and he leads you to repentance, you would die in your sin and you would be judged. Do you know there's many people out there that will not give up their addictions and sins because God has not given the revelation yet. They're hearing the voices of people, but they're hearing it as these people are judging me. These people are angry and they're turning something that's supposed to be love into something that's not. And it's became a vice to them. It's became a uh, shackles to them and it's holding them down until the day of judgment. There's strong delusions that are reserving people. And when you see it and you, you're on the outside of it and you're trying to reach people, I find that no matter what you do, you cannot shake them out of their slumber. They are, they are destined to do it. Now, the, the big problem that I see is a lot of these people are mixed up with the truth. They got a little bit of truth But then they mix it up with something that is not the truth and they go around promoting stuff that God has not put his seal of endorsement on. And a great example of this is God's people, the Jews. We know that they're God's people. We know that they're the ones that God called out from the very beginning. But where are they right now? They are not living a life that God is accepting. So it doesn't matter if they're children of God, they're gonna be judged. They're being reserved for that day until that day of repentance, unless they repent, unless that they see the error of their way, the Bible calls them stiff necks because they will not turn to the left or the right. They keep their head on one path and they will not turn. They they think they're doing God's work. They think that no matter what anybody says, they cannot change their mind and everyone else is wrong and they're the only ones that are right. Now, I laid a lot of groundwork here to get to wives' tales. The Bible says, be careful of wives' tales. 
the busybody wife. Now, when I read that today, I was reading, I read a few different things and I stumbled upon it. And there's, there's these wives tales. And immediately when I read that is, your wife is not my mother, popped in my head. And I started thinking about that because when you read these Old Testament, these Old Testament stories, you have a lot of men of God that had multiple wives. And some of the chosen, so some of the chosen seed, some of the chosen kids like Joseph, David, had different mothers than the other brothers that they had. And, and it means a lot. That really means a lot. Like Rachel and Rebecca are two different people. Um, when, when you talk about the, the chosen one, and then you talk about the one that's not chosen. Now, there's a difference between a wife and a mother. And I really believe this was dropped in my spirit as I was reading this, and it's interesting to think about. Because I love watching my wife as a mother. My wife is a very good mother. She, she spends every moment of her life doting upon our children and she does a great job she's i'm so happy to have her as my wife for to raise kids because she does a great job and i am breaking on my wife and one of the greatest things that god ever did for her really was gave her a son and and i put that in her even before we had a son i always tell people as the last days it is told that there's going to be a shortage of men there's going to be a shortage of men that multiple women are going to find one man and they're going to cling to him like seven women for one man and there's going to be a shortage of men now you got to think about this now i've thought about these verses many times over the years but one of the revelations god gave me to one of the uh, real true religion if you want to claim yourself as having a religion the bible says is to the widows and to the fatherless that's always stuck with me. If you're going to have real religion, that's what your religion is to the widows and to the fatherless. And you got to think about that as you read those scriptures and that's that important, you'll think about it. And I have, I thought about it. How is there widows and how is there fatherless? Why is there widows and why are they fatherless? These are questions because whenever I read, I always ask questions because it leads me to my answers. It always, in order to find more revelation in the Bible, the Lord has taught me to ask questions. And questions will be like breadcrumbs that lead you to the next trail, to the next, the next setting for God to reveal something to you. But you got to ask questions. Now, I find that most people don't like to ask questions because everybody knows the answers. Everybody thinks they know the answers, so they don't ever ask questions. And they don't want to hear answers. Sometimes people think that if I hear an answer, I'm going to be accountable. So I don't even want to know. So it's better not to know because ignorance is bliss. There's people that think that way. I've actually had people that won't let me tell them certain things because they don't want to hear it. They don't want to be accountable. Well, the problem is, is you are accountable regardless. That's why the Bible says he knows the thoughts and the intent of thy heart. He goes to the thoughts and the intents. He doesn't just go to your actions. He goes to the thought and the intent. That's why killing and murder is two different things. That's one reason. But there's so many things in the Bible that God has broke down and showed. Because what Cain did as a murderer is not the same thing as what David did to free people from Ziklag that was burned with fire. Or to redeem his people. Or what Moses did. You know, because when Moses was uh, seeing the... Um, the children of Israel being tortured by the Egyptians and he rose up and slew he slew the Egyptian and then he ran because he was scared he wasn't a murderer that, that didn't make him a murderer and there we can get into this theology and it's a it's a pretty deep subject in the Bible but people don't like this because of the modern day we're in we're only in a little frame in this modern era we're in and we framed everything in the world history around what we think in this modern day because we have so much knowledge we have so much technology we have so much computer power we think we understand everything but we haven't got a clue this world is a different kind of place than what most of us think it is and you have to be careful when you start labeling people and people are quick to do that people are quick to put judgment on people quick to say stuff quick to put their foot down on the ground and say this is how it is and they won't hear nothing else. 
And come to find out years go by and where their stance was, was way off. They were wrong. They were not even correct. Now, wives' tales. Your wife is not my mother. A wife and a mother is two different things. The Bible tells us when we get married, we are to leave our father and our mother and cleave to our wife, right? So we understand that. So we know that the next generation, as they're growing up, at some point they have to break away and they have to set out their own path. They have to go out in a direction, they have to cleave to their wife, and they have to set on a direction that's not their father's and mother's, okay? Now, a wife, just because she's your father's wife does not mean she's your mother. In order for her to be a mother, she has to have children. I talked about in the last days that we're going to have a shortage of men, which we're seeing that. We're seeing a big shortage of men already, and it's already going to affect a lot of different generations. And if you just want to think about it, look around to the churches right now. How many pastors that don't have children or just have daughters? Oh, that's not important. You know, they have kids. That's the only thing that's important. No, it's very important because do you know the only way that your name carries on is through a son? That's how important a son is. A son is so important that if you do not have a son, when you die, your name dies. Your name is no longer on the earth. It is gone. It's forgotten. You might be, you might have a story read about you. You might have a testimony, but it will fade out when enough people die. But if you have a son, your son carries your name. And it's very important. It's a very important thing that God created. Very important. And it's only subject to a son. He doesn't allow a daughter or anybody else carry that name. It's a son. Your son. And the way he set it up was your firstborn son. Your firstborn son was your first promise, was your first excitement, was your, was your first everything, your dreams, aspirations, all wrapped up into this one little package. And your job is to nurture it and send it forth because you're sending your name forth. Fathers do major damage to their own self and their own name when they neglect their son. Let that sink in for a minute. Now, we're not talking just about wives because there's a lot of people that have that have erred and ruined their own name. They've done it to their own damage to their own soul. God has given gifts. God has given plans. And so many people are so quick to walk away from covenants, promises, the deals that they struck their hands upon, the promises that they made to God, the promises that they made to other people, they're quick to break those promises and erase them and start all over and forget about the covenants that they've already made to start a new one that doesn't mean nothing. Because if you broke your first covenants and you can walk away from covenants, the next one that you make is not that important. Because you just showed the world that if this new relationship reaches to the level that this previous one did, I will do the same thing. You're showing the world that if you can't fix that first one, you have a standard, you have a, a limit that when it's reached and the devil knows it, that you'll give up, that you'll quit and you'll, you'll call in the ships and go home. That's a fact. That's why God is so big into repentance and into forgiveness and to reconciliation. There's another word, reconciliation, reconciling. Could you imagine if Jesus didn't reconcile with the people? Could you imagine if God didn't reconcile or come and reason with the people? If he just did what most people do and they just quit, they just give up on their covenants, they just walk away on their promises, they give up on their seed, they say, I'm not going to allow my seed to carry my name, I'm just going to destroy it, and you become the destroyer of your own promise. Now, one of the greatest destroyers of these promises is a wife that's not a mother. They're very vindictive. They feel like they've been shortchanged. Inside, they yearn to have a kid, but they can never have a kid. They gave up on that promise because of their belief system, because of their heart, because God has always showed in the Bible that a barren woman, if she repents and comes to God, and even if people are making fun of her, God can open up her, her womb and give her seed. Because God is the giver of life. 
But the problem is, is these women are troublemakers. They have an inside problem in their heart that they can't release. They're vindictive. They hate other people that have given birth to kids. They mock them. This is all through the Bible. You can see it in the way that the people of promise were treated by the people that were not of promise. They would heckle them. They would make fun of them. They would call them names. They would try to, um, you know, mock them in public. They would humiliate them even in the church, in the in the synagogue, in the temple, whenever they would come. And if God's uh, woman was not able to have a child at that time, the ones that did have a child would make fun of them and say, oh, look, here comes this person that can't have kids. And, oh, look at our kids. We have so many of them. And they would make fun of them. And so God would open up their womb and give them a child. Because of the way they prayed and because of their dedication. And don't forget, God looks at the thoughts and the intents of their heart. Now we're in a modern day where we have a lot of women that are choosing not to have seed. They're choosing to kill their own seed. And not only that, there's the secret one that you won't even know, that I know, that in their heart, they devise evil. In their heart, they look for trouble. In their heart, they go around because they're, they're cantankerous. They are busybodies, the Bible calls them. They're wives that have wives' tales that go around spreading lies and rumors. And they sow discord. They put the appearance on of godliness. They put the appearance on of love and dedication. But they hate your seed. They hate everything about your seed. And what is your seed? It's what came from your loins. It's what came from you. They hate it because it wasn't theirs. They hate it because it's not them. And they'll do everything to keep you away from it. They'll do everything to keep you to forget about it. And you do it at your own peril. Because that's the seed that God gave you. Now, what do we do with people like this? You're supposed to shun them. The Bible says to shun these people. You're supposed to not go around them. You're supposed to label them. And you're supposed to mark them until they change. And if they don't change, then they have to stay in solitude the rest of their life because that's where they belong. They don't belong in the fellowship. They don't belong in the congregation. They, they have this desire in their heart to cause trouble. They, have, they feel like it's unfair, that it's not fair that God didn't give them a child. They want a child, but God didn't give it to them. And instead, God has punished them. And they believe that God punished them. They believe it's God. They don't see it for what it really is. And their belief system and their inability to humble themselves is causing their own demise. Your wife is not my mother. That's what this means. Your wife is not my mother. Could you imagine David, how he felt? Here David is. He's out in the the field with his sheep. He's doing everything that his dad asked him to do. He's doing it so obediently. While the rest of the family is in the house, they're getting ready to have a ceremony and they don't want to bring him in because they deemed him unworthy. Why? Because the outward appearance. They could not see inside like God sees. They don't see on the inside like God sees. They don't see the heart like God sees. They cannot see the thoughts and the intent of the heart. But God can. But when they chose Saul, they chose him based on his stature, his ability, and his family. And when they chose him, when the time came to show the Lord's strength, he failed. He didn't, he wasn't obedient. He didn't do what he was required to do. He did what he thought was right, right in his own eyes. He made his own calculations and his own judgment. And when the man of God came and asked him about it, he tried to justify it. It's kind of like what people do with their addictions. You know, there's people that go out there that, and I'm talking about Christians. Most most of the time when I'm talking to you, I'm talking about Christians or believers because that's where I minister. I minister to them. My job is to minister, to correct. The Bible says judgment must begin in the house of God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where does the sinner and ungodly stand? 
That's a powerful verse. But to all my fair weather Christians out there, judgment begins in the house of God first. It always does. It will always start in the house of God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved. Now that's a statement that you don't hear nowadays because everybody's saved. Even the Christians. You can't judge me. You can't tell me that my addiction is going to cause me any trouble. You can't tell me my sin is going to stop God from bringing me into heaven. You can't tell me those things. But the Bible says if the righteous scarcely be saved, where does the sinner and ungodly stand? Okay. The Bible also talks about in the last days. Well, if there's a there's a rapture, then why does this verse matter? Because it says in the last days there's going to be a great falling away. Well, that falling away can't be the world because what are they falling away from? The world? No, they're falling away from God, so they're Christians. Now, if the rapture happened, how are they falling away? There's nobody left to do that. So you see the superstitious that that people have because it sounds good people say it they don't do any study on their own and they just take these words at their face value and they just believe it to their own demise just because you believe it doesn't mean it's going to happen and that's back to where these people say that you got to be careful what you say with your words words matter and you can't say certain things because if you do you're going to bring it into existence See, there's so much confusion that the people have caused their own selves in the churches that they've caused many, many people to fail. They've caused many believers to not walk the walk that they should. And they've caused many weak Christians that were starting out to never become who God wanted them to become. Because of wives' tales, superstitions, and fables. I'm addressing this because it talks about in the last days, these are the type of things that we got to wa- gotta watch out for. Itchy ears. People that have all these things that they, they, it sounds good. It looks good. So obviously God's got to accept it. Well, do you remember Uzzah? Do you remember David, his friend Uzzah? Well, they got a new cart to bring the, the Ark of the Covenant back to where it's supposed to be in God's, God's kingdom. Well... As this ox hit the threshing floor, it unstabled itself. And when the ark went to fall off the cart, the new cart that they thought that they had to use to bring this ark back, because they, God's got to accept this. You know, we're going to put it on an ark, and we're going to we're going to carry it on this new oxen and this new cart. And God's got to accept this, and we'll do it our way. And when that cart unstabled itself, Uzzah reached his hand up to stable this ark. And what happened? He was struck dead. A great man. A godly man. David's friend. Somebody that should have never been killed. Why did he die? Why was he punished? Because he didn't follow the rules. Well, if we go with the modern day theology of many Christians, he didn't know, so it's not his fault. He didn't understand. He didn't know the scriptures. And we can go on many, many reasons why they they weren't studying the scriptures at that time. We can go on many reasons why they decided to do it on a new cart. But at the end of the day, Uzzah still died. Judgment still fell upon him. And David was scared. He was mad at first, but then he got scared. And he took this cart and and he took the ark and he hid it in Obed Edom's house. And he says, tell him to leave it alone and we're gonna go back. And he called all the wise men, all the scribes, and he started studying again. And he says, let's find out what we did wrong. Where did we go wrong? Well, you listened to fables. You listened to wives' tales. You made a new covenant with somebody on the basis of what you think, and you forgot your old covenants. And God didn't forget those. God never forgets those. That's why the Bible says it's better that you say yay and amen and you never make a promise to God because if you make a promise to God and don't hold it, he will hold you accountable for it. Don't don't make a vow and not pay it. Now, I'm going to continue to preach like this. I'll be preaching like this until the day I die. If you don't like it, you can delete. You can not listen to it. You can plug your ears. You can go your way. But I've always preached to everybody, even myself. I've told you many times when I, when I pray 
for somebody else to be corrected, I pray that God corrects me too. Correct me, Lord. Search my heart. If there be any error in my way, help me to fix my way. Teach me the truth. Show me my error, Lord. The problem I have is many people that don't live up to the standards of the Bible, the very simple standards, they go around preaching and causing division and causing more problems than they are doing any good for the kingdom of God. And they're stiff necks. You, you can't talk to them. They only want to talk about what they want to talk about. They don't want to listen to anything that the Bible has to say. They say they do, but they really don't because they haven't changed anything in their life. When you come to their house, they still have the same thing going on. They have not changed. They have not grown. But yet they want to brag about everything that they're doing, everything that God's doing in their life. But the very simple thing in their life, they have not even worked on. They cause division. They're causing confusion. And their feelings get hurt. They get hurt feelings. That's why wives that are not mothers are causing trouble because their feelings are hurt. They have hurt feelings, so they go around hurting other people's feelings. And they're meddling with things that they have no business meddling with. And all it's doing is destroying the work of God. They don't like to pray. They say they do. But when you're praying in the late hours of the night, they're complaining. When you're wanting to sow into God's kingdom and you're wanting to sow and you're trying to take good seed, they're mad because you're taking seed away from them. When you go to do a work for somebody that God says, hey, I want you to help that person over there. That's somebody I want you to work with. They don't, they get mad because you're taking time away from them. Now the Bible says it's better that a man not get married, but if he has to, well, you might as well go get married because it's better that if you didn't because you can do more work for the kingdom of God and you have more time to spend with God. But once you're married, now you have to devote your time to your wife and you have to share that time with your family. I'm not knocking getting married or being with a family. The very contrary is what I'm saying is when people make those deals and they go and start a family and then they decide to walk away from a family and work for God, God doesn't forget that. God doesn't say you're relinquished of all your family duties because you decide to work for me. Because if you neglect that thing that you were supposed to be a covenant with, then you've neglected God's word. And how can you two walk together except they agree? If God's all about covenants, if God's all about the word, if God's all about structure, how come it is Christians can have no structure, they can just make up covenants and break them anytime they want, they can deem whatever they think is the word of God one day and something else another day. And what works for me doesn't work for you. And what works for you, I don't have to do it. Because if I preach to you of change and repentance and you need to stop stop believing in, let's say, Trinity. you got to stop believing in the Trinity. But I don't have to change nothing in my life. I can still do drugs. I can still drink. I can still smoke. I can do all those things. But you have to change your way. That's a hypocrite. There's people out there that actually break the law. They do it a few times a year, but they don't see it as breaking the law because they're doing it a certain way. They can do things their way, but everybody else is wrong. Now, I know people don't like to hear things like this because everyone wants to feel validated. Everybody likes to be patted on the back. Everybody likes to hear, hey, I'm right and you're wrong. Everybody likes that. But correction is your best friend. Not because of the person that's correcting you, but you got to look at it as God loves you. When God sees that there's an error in your way and he sends you an answer, and if you listen, there's a blessing also. It's not about arguing. It's not about division. The division and arguing comes from that, that wife that's causing trouble. That person that does not have no kids. That person that's come and caused division. That person that is selfish, because that's what a wife is that has no children. These people that are going out there getting abortions is selfish. They're very selfish people because they want to continue in their lifestyle devoted to Moloch on the basis of, I'm going to sacrifice a life that can't defend itself. That is a very messed up thinking and God will judge it. And anybody that partners with that will be judged. You cannot escape that. 
you can call it whatever you want. Call it conspiracy, call it racism, call it any kind of the letter you want to call it in this modern day. But God will judge it. And I'm telling you, as the man of God, he is going to judge it. He's going to judge you on the thoughts and the intent of your heart. Not only the sin, not only your actions, but he goes to the thought and the intent of the heart. That's why all sin starts on the inside, guys. When a man looks upon a woman to lust after her, the sin has already been started. It's already started by what you think on the inside. That's why you got to guard your heart. That's why you got to think on these things, whatsoever's pure. You got to think on things above, not on put your affections on things above. Like Galatians 3:2, I believe it is. I started a weekly Bible verse with Sophia the other day. And the verse that we read was and this is where I got some of this stuff was talking to her and you know you can't teach a little kid this stuff but you think about it is Galatians 3:2. Put your affections on things above, not things that are in the earth. That's a good verse. It's a great verse, and it's something she's learning. Yesterday, I told her, because she wasn't even trying to say it, she would forget. And I told her, I said, listen, you got to just try. Try. I, I don't care if you make a mistake. I want you to try. So she tried, and she did pretty good. So today, I'm going to do it again, and we're going to keep working on it because I have a goal with her. The goal is to eventually, you're going to be able to, to quote this scripture it's your first real scripture you're learning, and it's going to be something very powerful for her. But she has to start somewhere. And as the leader, as the teacher, I got to motivate her to get involved, to do it, to try, even if she makes mistakes. The problem I have with modern day Christians nowadays and the headstrong and the stiff necks, they don't even try. They'd rather argue with you. Do you know how many people that would rather argue with me than even ask me questions? You know, when I sit with most people, they don't want to hear what I have to say, but they want to teach me. They want to teach me all the time. Everybody has to tell me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. Everybody has to correct me. They don't realize I don't work for them. I only work for one man. His name is Jesus. Jesus is my boss. My dad gave me a hat a long time ago. Jesus is my boss. He is my boss. I remember when I got this hat. I was wearing it for a while and I just went through my secular jobs and I, I lost them. I mean, the companies closed up and I started being sad. You know, my friends that I was around all the time were disappearing and I was just sad because I didn't have this job no more. And I would look in the mirror and I would see Jesus is my boss. Or I'd be out in public and I'd forget I have this hat on and Somebody would say, hey, I like your hat. And I'd say, oh, and I forget it was on my head. And then I started realizing, Jesus is my boss. Jesus is my boss. I don't lack for nothing. I don't need anything. He makes sure I have everything I need. He's always there for me. He always provides for me. Just like the sparrows. Just like all these lilies of the field. They don't spin or go looking for clothing, but they're clothed greater than Solomon in his best apparel. So God takes care of those that he is in charge of. And when God calls you out of the world, and that's what he did, God did that. When God chooses to pull you out of the world and enlist you into his army, he's going to provide for you. And the problem that I found, even when I preached, I, I used to preach and I'd get done preaching after I spent everything up on that pulpit preaching and come down and it would never fail. You'd always have the group of people that would want to catch you and correct you. You should have said this. You had a great opportunity to say this. And they would they would just beat you up. And in the very beginning, I had to learn. Yay! Hey, I really appreciate you sticking this long in the podcast. We're at the very end. I appreciate you for everything that you do whenever you click on these podcasts to listen to them. I hope it really nourishes your soul, it blesses your mind, and it gives you something to think about. It stirs up feelings inside you, either to change or to think a certain way or to go back and read scripture to find out if that's what it really says or how 
how God really intended it to be in your life. That's my job, is to stir up the gift that's inside you, to stir it up inside you, to get you motivated to do something for the kingdom of God. I hope that I'm being effective in your life. I want to impart some kind of great blessing into your life this very day. In the name of Jesus, I command a blessing upon whoever's listening right now to open those ears and to break the curses that are upon them right now from generational curses that they believe in their minds. And Lord, I ask you to help that woman or man out there that maybe don't have children that are looking at other people's children and sowing discord, causing division. I ask you to help them and heal their heart. And if they repent, Lord, I ask you to open up their womb and give them children. And we say all this in the lovely name of Jesus. And God bless.